welcome to the Sparkle and Thrive podcast. I am delighted today to bring you a friend and a guest who has launched an online membership. And uh, a couple of years ago, I had the pleasure of getting to know Joseph and finding out more about what he's done uh, for his father and also obviously for himself as well by building up this membership. Uh, but I really want to get him on to the podcast to tell his story because a lot of our students who go through our Tech Pixies program, they are thinking about launching memberships. And uh, Joseph is a perfect example of someone who has taken the plunge, launched a membership, and has done it very successfully. So, Joseph, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. No, thanks for having me. Well, the, I really want you to tell your story because uh, you have a fascinating story. Um, so can we go all the way back to, I think you'd gone off to university and yeah. your dad, tell, I don't want to mess it up. So tell the story about what, it ha what happened and how you got started with this venture. Sure. So my dad, my dad has taught woodworking for absolutely ages for all my life. Um, and, um, he's, he's British. So there's, there's a, a, you and I share a sort of British American connection. So he, he's British and, um, he moved out to the U S which is where I was born. And he taught people woodworking out in the U S for, for absolutely decades and then moved back here to the UK. And, um, he was teaching classes and, um, as you said, I was at university at the time, and I, I started making videos of him just on an iPhone, um, iPhone 4 it was at the time, and um, making videos of him, posting them up on YouTube. They're really, really bad. If you if you really want to go, my, my dad's name is Paul Sells. You scroll all the way to the to the, to the oldest videos, and they're, they're really poor quality. Um, but um, they were just shot on an iPhone 4, and basically the, the content was there. People people knew and, and, and loved my dad and his teaching, so... Um, they, they, they forgave a lot of, uh, of, uh, technical difficulties we may have had and, um, and, and watched him making things out of, out of wood. And then eventually we launched a paid membership channel where we did put quite a bit more effort into the, uh, the production value. Um, but I, but I love the fact that you got started with an iPhone. You just got the stuff out there. I mean, I think that's the first people have to take action, right? I always say, you know, the death of dreams is in inaction, right? So yeah, for sure. Just getting it up there, whether or not it was perfect, you know, you can always perfect things later, right? So well, we got to test things out, yeah, and um, yeah, we didn't. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like if it had failed, um, we wouldn't have felt too badly about it. You know, if people hadn't been interested, that wouldn't have been that big a deal to us. We hadn't invested any time or money particularly into it. Um, but the fact that people were interested was really validating and really big boost to us. The fact that we were getting, we got, we got several thousand views on that first video in a matter of weeks. And that was, that was a really big boost. Um, and it, it, then, then we did, we invested a lot more into it. And so that was, I want to say nine years ago now. I, yeah. I'm thinking about when we actually had lunch and really, I was so fascinated by what you're doing. And it was long before I even launched tech pixies. It was when I was still doing made with joy stuff. So it's yeah. like probably a good six years ago or so. I reckon, um, yeah. But I, but so how did you then decide to charge for the membership and, you know, um, and, but also what happened when you did start a membership is it, it took off, right? There was like a pretty small percentage of people who wanted to watch our content who were willing to pay us. Um, but, um, we, we did free videos just on YouTube for, uh, pretty much exactly a year. And, um, I think I, I'd have to go back and check, but I think we had about 10,000 subscribers on YouTube at the time. And then we launched. We, we said to everybody, look, if you want to sort of watch longer videos with like big projects being made, um, 
you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to charge for that. And um, we started charging 10, 10 pounds a month. I set up a WordPress website. That's part of our connection to each other is, is WordPress because we both love WordPress. I set up a WordPress website, a membership website and started and set it up. And, and there were two videos on the website. There was a free one, which anybody could watch and a paid one. And that was it. Um, and a hundred people signed up on day one, which was just amazing. Cause you know, that, that was a bit of income for, us. Um, it wasn't our main source of income for either my dad or I at the time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that to us, that was a really big success again, because we, I guess, because we didn't, we didn't put everything into that straight away. It was kind of a slow, gradual thing. hundred people signing up seemed like a really huge deal for us. Um, and that was just day one. And then we've had, uh, you know, it's taken over to where it is our main, our main thing for both my dad and I now. And, and um, we have we have staff who are better at all all of these things than us. Uh, well, not that my dad; he still presents the videos, but d better better than us at the technical side of things, helping us out as well. Um, well, it's really interesting because what you just said was was really interesting. So you said that over a year you built up these videos on YouTube and you got to ten thousand subscribers, and then you said that a hundred people signed up for your paid membership when you launched it. And actually what I tell our students all the time is that there is a one to 3% conversion in online sales. And you just, you just confirmed that and validated that, you know, if you had 10,000 followers and a hundred people sign up, then you've got, you know, a 1% conversion, which is, which is pretty typical. And it is interesting with online sales, you know, to, it's, it's really interesting to know that 97 to 99% of the people that you're selling to will not buy, but the one to 3% that do buy are, you know, are your ideal customer really. So, um, and you started out with a $10 a month membership. Is that right? 10 pounds. Yeah. It was $15, 10 pounds. Actually that conversions changed a little bit since, but yeah, that's what we started out at. And it's pretty much the same. So with 12 pounds, $15. So the $15 stayed the same 12 pounds. And you just said to, you know, so, so at what point, um, after, so you, you had a hundred members so that presumably was bringing in that, you know, a thousand pounds a month in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So at what point did you then think, oh gosh, you know, I've got to go full time on this. And I, and did, I can't remember, did you finish university or not? I feel like you oh, were, I did. Yeah. I've got a history degree. It's absolutely oh, well, no to anybody, but I've got it. Um, <laughs> no, I, I did. I, and I only started history cause I love history. And so there was never, there was never any real point to that. Um, but I I started it in the November, um, and I balanced uni and and running this site. Uh, I was in my second year of university. I balanced the two um, through until the next year, and then I asked the university if I could take a gap year out, and they were really kind and let me take a year out. And so then I ran it full time um, for a year. And then I thought, if I don't go back and finish that degree, I'm never going to do it. And so we hired one staff member to take over a lot of what I was doing. And um, uh, that was our first staff member. Um, and then we had somebody else doing a bit of part-time customer service stuff as well. Um, uh, and so I, I didn't go back. I didn't do my, I didn't give 100% to my degree. I'll be completely honest uh, for that next year. Uh, but I did finish my degree. Um, so I was kind of, Probably, probably two thirds uni, one third running business for that year, and then ever since then, it's been my full time job. Well, I think when I met you, you had taken the year out. I think you were in the year out, and we were discussing plugins for WordPress and <laughs> all that yeah. good stuff. Um, well, and you were very generous with your information, and you helped me really uh, think about how we could set up and structure our website, and it was really, really useful. I just. 
I think it's amazing how generous you were. And it, you know, we talk a lot, well, and are, we talk a lot at Tech Pixies about the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset and how helping somebody else out really, you know, is good for the world, right? And I think, you know, I'll never forget how generous you were with me. Um, so uh, the crazy thing is, I think you, unless I'm, unless I'm, I'm not correct, I think you've done this all on your own. Like you figured all these things out on your own or did you end up doing any online courses to help you improve your systems or change what you were doing? I guess I picked and chosen which aspects to do myself. So um, I, the, the sort of membership site side of things I did, I did by myself. Um, but um, I, 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 don't, I don't know whether it's actually possible to run an entire business entirely by yourself. I have never done any accounting I, I really despise filling out forms. And so from day one, I've outsourced accounting. I also, I have no um, legal legal um, knowledge or experience or any desire to learn very much about it. So I've always outsourced any legal stuff, any accounting stuff. Um, and then I've, I've nearly from the beginning had help with customer service related stuff. And then pretty early on, we got uh, staff members in to help with the videography side of things, but um, but the website side of things is still just me, still still messing around with WordPress plugins and trying to make the site work. Um, so that's that's the side of it that I don't know, but that's that's kind of the core of our business as well. Did so. you do any? Did you do any courses to learn how to do ads or to uh, learn how to um, you know how to run the membership, or was that all just exploring? Well, you know, I've never, I've never done ads, so I still don't know. Maybe I still need to do a course on ads. Um, um, but, uh, I've never done ads. No, I, I, no, I, I mean, I've watched YouTube videos to learn how to do a particular technical thing, but I've never, no, I've never, I've never done it. Maybe I should. Um, well, I'll tell I you know. what, I think you should be doing YouTube ads. That's for sure, uh, because all sure. your viewers are on YouTube. It's really interesting because. Um, uh, well, there's there's Pinterest ads now, and of course there's which are taking off. Which uh, I would imagine Pinterest for you guys would be something very interesting, with yeah. um, you know with the woodworking, uh, but also of course Facebook and Instagram ads. I find it fascinating that you've built it completely organically. So let's talk about um, how you've done that because your membership has grown. How many members do you have now? Paid members. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's around three thousand seven hundred. Wow, 3,700, are you proud of that? You should be so proud of that. There's been glitches along the way um, and maybe we should have more. Maybe if we ran ads, we'd have more. I don't know. Well, I think um, if we ran ads, we'd I'm, have I'm, more. Always, I'm always pushing for more, of course, but no, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. That's incredible. But now with, these, with this membership that's grown over, over the years, how have you been able to grow it? Like, what have you been doing? What's been the number one thing that's helped you? So something I have to remind myself of all the time is that we don't grow our membership by adding to our paid site. We grow our membership by adding free content that everybody can see. Um, now that's not to say we can abandon our, our paid members because obviously they're paying us and they have to be our priority. Um, but honestly, we always see the best growth when we're doing the best stuff that everybody can see, whether that's on social or on YouTube or on the free aspects of our website. And so um, I, that's, that's, I would say that's been the key is we have um, people tell us we have really great content for free out there. And and I guess, I don't know how this adapts to other people, that'll be for, for everybody else to figure out. But for us, um, the way we decide what should be free and what should be paid is we try and get in the search results for the basics of woodworking, because that's our, our core thing. 
And so if you Google, how do you show up in a chisel or how do you cut a dovetail or how do you plane wood or how do you set up a plane? Quite a few of those search results will be either the number one or somewhere on the first page with a video about how to do those really basic things. And those videos usually aren't particularly long. Some of them might be seven or 10 or 15 minutes long. Um, and we tend not to do like a big long project for, for, for free. And um, that's not, uh, a lack of generosity necessarily, because um, we have tried, we kind of thought that at the beginning of like, oh my goodness, if people really love how to sharpen a chisel, they're gonna really love how to make a desk or how to make a table or how to do this, that, or the other. But then when we fa when we would release seven hours of footage on how to make a table, it actually wasn't that popular. Um, and so for us in our particular niche, we've, we have a really good balance of the big projects. People actually, what they're willing to pay for that when they get to that, if, you, if you're gonna build, an entire dining table, you're willing to pay 12 pounds a month to, to, to have some instruction on how to do that. But being there in the search results for how to do the basics. And then when people have come to us several times, I guess I'm hoping that this is how it works is that people will search, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do that? And they go, oh my goodness, I'm still, I keep coming up with this guy, Paul Sellers. He, he must know what he's doing. And then when they want to build a bigger project, uh, I guess it's a natural step for them to come to us uh, and and pay us um, what is a relatively small amount if you're going to invest so much time and energy into building the bigger projects. Yeah, I know. I find that really, really interesting. And how do you decide what to what to post every week? Because I know, are you posting free videos every single week or are you just doing it once a month? Uh, what's the frequency? And then also, like, I, I think it's really great how you explain that the shorter content does better. Uh, that kind of introductory foundation content does really well. Um, but then the, the and, and it makes sense that people would want to pay for the more in-depth stuff that they would be going deeper on. But how often do you post the free stuff? And then, yeah, well, how do you decide? And what if you run out? How do you not run out of things to make or show people what to do? Yeah. Um, so the how do we decide? Um, do you know, I really love um, and I don't use it enough, but I really love Google Trends. Um, um, you can go to trends.google.com and and it doesn't give you exact numbers of people that are searching something, but you can compare to search results. And so um, people search how to do X, Y, Z all the time. I mean, that's that's the way people, you know, how to how to change a light bulb, how to do this, how to do that. Like people search everything. Um, and I know I do it as well. Uh, literally, how do you change the light bulb in your oven? You know, I, I would go to YouTube and try and, and try and get a video of somebody showing me how to do it rather than looking in the manual or whatever else. So um, you, we can figure out a certain amount how much people are searching for how to make a mortise and tenon joint. We can figure out whether that's more popular. And then you can actually switch it around and say, are people searching how to cut a mortise and tenon joint or how, uh, or mortise and tenon, how to cut? I don't know. You can kind of switch the words up and see which one is, is more searched for. Um, and so to a certain extent, that's a really good tool to figure out what people are looking for and answer their questions. Um, we also uh, have people email in all the time asking us questions. And, and if we don't have a YouTube video for it, that's, that goes, we have a, a spreadsheet that we occasionally check, which has a list of everything everybody's asked that we didn't have a video to answer uh, them with. We don't have a, a particular schedule. We do release probably every other week a free video on YouTube or on our, our the free part of our website. Um, we release a paid video every single week. And, and that's what I was saying is actually, if we were being uh, smart about it, we'd probably be really focusing on the free content rather than the paid content. But when people have paid us, I feel a certain obligation to make sure they're the priority and they get their content every single week. Um, and and we, we've never missed that. Um, and as far as how do we run not run out of content, 
uh, people have uh, always have questions. That's that's mm -hmm. the great thing, and we we will just keep going for as long as it makes sense to answering their questions. And no matter how many we answer, they seem to have more. And and I, I really do like to see all of our videos as an answer to a question um, of how do you do this, how do you do that. And a lot of the titles of our videos are are how to cut a mortise and tenon joint, how to cut a dovetail, rather than. Paul Sellers shows how to cut a mortise and tenon joint because nobody's going to search that. People are searching. So I try to match it as closely as possible to what they're actually looking for. How to cut a mortise and tenon joint, how to cut a dovetail, how to sharpen a chisel, how to sharpen it. And then there's so many tools, how to sharpen a this tool or that tool and the other tool. We, we have videos for quite a lot of those there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Does that answer it? Yeah, no, that really does answer it. And I think, I mean, what you've just reinforced is how important it is to be able to collect questions from people and then to answer those questions with your content. And, you know, what what I what I say in our social media superhero boot camp, which we've got coming up next week, one of the things I say is um, think about the 52 questions that people would ask you. And then you've got 52 weeks of content. Right. So just yeah. answer a question every single week. For, you know for a year and you do and 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 the thing is is a lot of the questions will come back again what, what happens if someone asks a question and you've already created a video do you just point them in the direction of that video or do you recreate that video no I mean we do occasionally go back and recreate a video if we think we could do better a second time through um some some of our very early videos we've replaced with something better um but uh, no for the most part if we can just point them to a video, that's great. And then and then that identifies the gaps in our current videos. There's it's nearly always makes more sense to come up with something a new a new an answer to a new question rather than going back over the old ones, honestly. And uh what about your members once they're in? Do they just have access to the website or do you have another space where they can connect with each other, like a Facebook group or something like that? We have a forum on the website. Um and I was I was looking in there the other day. There's I think there's like thirty something thousand messages in there. Uh, but we leave, we mainly leave them to it if they like they they will talk about things. Um, there's comments directly under each of the videos as well where they can ask us direct questions, and that's what we mainly monitor is those those direct questions. Um, so yeah, videos, um, but the the videos are the main the main thing they get access to, and and there's I think there's six hundred of them on there. Now. Wow. And when someone wants to, how do you like on your free videos, do you do a call to action at the end to join the membership? Do you have copy somewhere that does that? How do you actually make the kind of the pitch to join the membership? Cool. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, not in the videos. I, one of the things people love about and, and it's pretty unique to the way we set up our business. One of the things that we really like about Dad is that it, it is all kind of over his head. He doesn't tend to get involved in calls to action in the videos. He just cares about woodworking and people love him for that because he's just there getting involved with the marketing side of things. Um, he isn't directly involved. I would say he's a great, uh, he's a great part of our marketing mechanism because people love what he does. Um, but, um, but no, he doesn't tend to do calls to action in the videos. Um, and I'm really careful about how I do the calls to action because I don't like our paid members to ever see anything about paying ever again. So once they're paid, I don't, I want all that to disappear and they're just there to enjoy the site. And we don't tend to market anything to them at all. Um, that all the, so in, in, again, this is sort of WordPress stuff. Um, I, I have tags for free and paid members. And then, um, the, we do have little banners and things here and there across the website saying, Hey, want even more videos sign up here. Uh, but those all disappear once you've paid. So that the, the paid people don't ever see that again. 
I, I love that. And I love the attention to detail you give because we do that too, where we try. I mean, sometimes, you know, someone will slip through the cracks and then they'll end up getting invited to, you know, one of our free programs or one of our um, boot camps, which is paid, um, even though they've already joined the big program. We try and be really careful that that doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. Maybe sometimes sometimes someone signed up with two different emails and we didn't reconcile the emails. Yeah, yeah, but same. But I have been on so many mailing lists for different courses where you've bought the course and then you're still getting pitched the course and it's like do you not have your tags sorted on yeah. your mailing system because you know do you not know that i'm already a paying student of yours so um it's really interesting i i love the way that you i love that just that it's such a uh, a nuanced thing so with the free content someone can actually register for an account with you um, for the free content. And then that's where they would see the extra messages and notes when they're watching the video for free on YouTube. What happens? How do they, how do they know to find out more? Yeah. So we, we do put things in the description of YouTube. And so just, just to give you a sense of the scales here. So we have, we're really close to 500,000, um, subscribers on YouTube now. So we're, wow. we're, we're like, uh, I think we're about 24 days of subscribers away from the 500,000. So we're really looking forward to that big number. Um, and then we have about 50,000 free, uh, 50,000 members on our site. Um, so they've just, that, that just means we actually have their email address. Cause on YouTube, you know, you're pretty limited in, in what information you can have about them and how you can target particular things at different people on YouTube. Um, so we have, we do have links again. We don't have many calls to action in the videos themselves. I don't know whether that's, we're missing something there or not, but it's just the way we are. And then we have, we always have links in the in the descriptions pretty standard you know for more information about this go to here and for more information about this go to here 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 one other thing i was going to mention is another way that we sort of uh split things up with tags is that um we we give people the option when they sign up whether they want to receive marketing emails from us or not um actually more people choose to to see that to get them than i than i expected they would honestly i always take no so that's just me um uh, but then we uh, we have those banners. We show more banners to people who've ticked that they don't want the marketing information um, because we've lost that opportunity to try and uh, market to them through email. And so, um, I, but but we try and have either banners or emails, so we don't do both at once. So we kind of have a particular way that we're trying to get our message to people that way. So so people who have ticked no are more likely to see something something on our site to, to promote to them that way so that we don't miss out on an opportunity to market to them one way or another because there's less restrictions about what you can show to people versus what you can send them in their inbox well i did a membership course with Stu mclaren which is called tribe which is amazing one of the things he talked about was keeping it simple you know not overwhelming your members and it, you've got a really simple system every week you're going to get a new video and if you're on the paid and every other week, you're going to get a new video. If you're on the free, do you release to the free members one of your paid videos or is it they, are they separate pieces of content? They're separate pieces of content. And so the, the paid people get everything. And then the, the uh, so, so they, they actually, I guess, get more than more than one video a week because they've got the free, this, the free stuff as well. Again, um, we've found that people are more likely to pay for the more advanced content. And so we do occasionally release, say, say we did a paid project that's maybe a little bit simpler, a little bit um, shorter. Um, we will 
potentially release that into the free the free pool eventually. Um, but we we found again um, our, our our audience is pretty self selecting in that the people who just want to subscribe to the YouTube channel want short content about how to do stuff. People who sign up on our site but aren't ready to actually build big advanced projects tend not to want to pay us anything. But we can still provide them with a certain amount of education and maybe get ready for the day when they are at a level where they want to build the bigger projects. Um, and so that kind of works really well for us in that way of having those tiers of people. That's great. Well, and again, going back to this idea of keeping it simple and keeping it, you know, not overwhelming people because that's what that's what will cause people to leave, according to Stu. How about your retention? Are, do you have people who've been with you since day one? Do you have people who, how often, how long do people tend to stay? Yeah, I'm, I've changed payment gateways and membership plugins a couple times along the way, which makes it slightly harder for me to, to, to know that information. I could figure it out, but we know that some people have been there since day one without a single gap. Um, and and people tend to stay for years. Or, so yeah, we, we have a really, really long retention rate. Um, that's churn isn't uh, our churn is usually when I've looked at sort of what membership sites say an acceptable level of churn is, I'm like, oh my goodness, we're we're below the bottom of there. Except, you know, it's it's usually way 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 less. Um, not through any fancy gimmicks or emails that tell them to stay or anything like that. I I'm guessing they just like our content and that's where our focus our focus has been is just give them the content and hope that they stay. And so far, that's working for us. Whether we could do more because I'm always open to doing more. There's probably more we could do to, to, to try and nudge people in that direction. But there, there isn't any of that involved at this stage. It's just uh, please, please stay and pay us is, is pretty much all we do. And how has your life and your father's life changed since launching this membership? Yeah, um, well, it's changed hugely in lots of ways that aren't related. And, and I guess in lots of ways that are related. Um, I think my dad's easier to talk about because um, he was teaching classes to people that people were coming in and he found that he was repeating the same class over and over and over again, because um, although we did more advanced courses, there was always more people at the beginner level than there were at the advanced level. And so he ended up teaching the sort of basics of woodworking over and over and over and over and over again. And this has allowed him to record those those more basic steps once, or maybe, as I said, sometimes we go back and record them again as a second time, but once or twice, and then move on to other stuff, and we continue to point people back. Um, and like that, that uh, the video we have on making a mortise and tenon joint has been viewed 2.6 million times, but he only had to do it once. Whereas when he was teaching in-person classes, he he may have spent you know, several days of a year just going over again how to do that. So it's really freed him up to really push into more interesting areas of the craft for him. Um, for me, I I love problem solving and owning your own business, as I'm sure you know, is you wake up every single day with new problems. Most of those problems I really enjoy figuring out answers to. Um, some of them less so. Um, but, I'm only uh, laughing because you are so right about that. And anyone who's watching this who runs their own business, they know what that's like, you know, the, the fire. Honestly, honestly, it really suits me. I really enjoy a new challenge. I don't enjoy doing the same thing every day. And I, I, think, really that's, I think that's what entrepreneurs are, right? The entrepreneurs are problem solvers um, and problem solvers like you know, that's what they like to do. So if it becomes the same thing every day, it's not as interesting to them. Having having staff involved allows me to, to to let other people who are better at certain aspects of the business run with that. And I do outsource some aspects of it as well, which allows me to pick and choose to a certain extent what I do. But I tend to have all the hardest problems that 
either nobody else wants to solve or nobody else can solve and it comes back to me um and and honestly i wouldn't change that um i'm, I'm really i really enjoy that aspect of the work and how many people do you have now on your team that are helping support the business we ha we have four four full-time staff members and then my dad and i um, and you've and set up a studio as well right yeah we're over in abingdon now and that's that's a big difference because first it was a teaching facility that we would film at the end of and now we have a, a building where no members of the public ever come to. And it's it's just a big warehouse. But then inside that, we've built a garage um, where my dad works. We did a survey of our members and found that the most, the biggest proportion of them work in a single car garage. So we built a garage set where we sort of figured out exactly what size the average garage was we did research and made that footprint because my dad could have worked in like a 3,000 square foot workshop with tons of tools and tons of machines and tons of extra stuff if we'd wanted him to but that wouldn't have been relatable for people and so we forced him down into a pretty small amount of space and said you're going to have to make everything you're going to make inside that space because that's relatable for people and that's what they're those are the obstacles they're facing. Oh, that's so interesting. So you made sure that the studio you built was similar to the size of workshop that someone in the online membership would actually have themselves. I love that. This is what I love about you is you you think about every aspect. You know, that's such a that's such an intuitive thought to to really think about what the person's going to be dealing with. Well, we kind of get the feedback as we go as well, because people would say, well, that's all fine for Paul. He's got a great big shop and tons of tools. And so we thought, well, we don't think that's why he's good at what he does. So let's prove it. Um, and Love so it. We, we forced down. He, he had to downsize his workshop and get rid of tools. Basically, they're still there safely in boxes elsewhere. But then then they're actually we're kind of making the point visually to them no it's not because of the tools and it's not because of the space because hey look here he is he's in a one-car garage and um, the studio is then huge uh, outside of that we've got cameras and lights and everything pointing into this one-car garage but he never steps out of that space when we're filming um, and it really proves the point that you can do it in that amount of space and probably smaller if we had to but um but that's that's kind of the average we think we feel like we've gone far enough we could potentially push it further and and, and move him even smaller but we, we think we've made the point um but then once we've made the point we didn't see any reason to change it and so we've stuck with that one car garage footprint um, yeah. and everything else takes place around that and you and your office is is in there as well or is it yeah yeah we we had we had it custom built we're really really lucky to have had it custom built where we have like a um like a folding wall that that cuts out the noise when we need to film and then unfolds so that my dad's still part of the so he's in a garage set in an office effectively when that door's opened up. And so so that he's still in the same space. So we have sort of hammering and sawing going on at the end of our office when, when we're back in our office. Everybody's working from home for the most part of the minute. But yeah, when we're in the office, my dad's there hammering and sawing at the end of the office while we're editing videos, dealing with membership inquiries and so on at the other end of the office. Wow. And have you gone into any other kind of um, revenue streams? Are you doing selling any tools or creating his own tools? Or, you know, are you exploring any of that? Or are you just focused still on the membership? The, the one area that we've branched into is books because um, that's something, I don't know, my dad especially gets a huge amount of validation from having actual physical content i think it's probably uh, sort of a reaction to creating intangible content for all these years um that that it, it feels like therapy to be able to make something that's going to last forever um and so we we've done a book and we're planning on doing more books and it's basically just taking everything uh, a, a condensed version of everything we've done people have asked us to release our online videos as dvds but it would be like 
hundreds of DVDs in a set and it wouldn't be practical. Um, but the books, we feel like that's sort of a really long-term lasting legacy. Um, and so we, we invest quite a bit of time and effort into those and we're planning on doing more of that. Tools, um, one, of, one, of the, one aspect, and this is again something people tell us they really like is that we have no affiliate links, we have no, um, no sponsorship, no, no nothing, we don't sell tools, we don't sell them anything else, we sell information and that's it, um, and it's our own information that we sell. Um, and I, that's, not a, that's not a judgment for anybody who does all of those other things, because sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do and that's a necessary part, um, but uh, it's allowed, again, people still will come in and say, well, the only reason he's recommending that tool is because he's getting a cut from the manufacturer. Mm. And, and being able to be incredibly clear with people and say, absolutely not. No, there's actually a disclaimer on my dad's website. If you go to the homepage and then you click on the disclaimer, it tells you exactly where his income comes from. And we're able to be that clear cut about it because that's the way we've operated from the beginning. And, and, um, and that builds trust. And it's not to say, I think there are ways to build trust still while using affiliate links and sponsorship and other things provided you're really clear cut about it. But for us, the cleanest and clearest way to do it is to go, we don't sell anything else. This is it. This is how yeah. you, you can support us. There's no advertising revenue. Uh, there is actually on YouTube, but not on our websites. There's no advertising revenue. And the 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 reason we enabled it on the on YouTube is because we suspect that YouTube pushes videos that have ad advertising higher up than others. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what, that's what we guess. Um, um, but yeah, that's that's been part of building trust with with our particular members because they they there has been that distrust through throughout the whole relationship where people will still come in and say, mm, do you get a cutback from this or from that or from the other? And being able to just say, nope, never, none of it is the clearest way for us to handle that. That's really interesting because we we do have affiliate um, programs, but they the only affiliate programs we align ourselves with are ones that I've actually taken and seen an ROI on. So yeah. like, for example, if I did a course like on like stews, if I did a course on memberships and then, you know, I launched it in my own program and it worked, then I will recommend it out. But I, uh, I don't recommend all of the programs. There's definitely a couple that I had opportunities to be an affiliate for, and I just didn't think it was appropriate for our audience. Um, so I'm also very careful about, who we connect with in terms of what we do promote. Um, so I, yeah, it's just, it's so great to talk to you about this and it's just great to get, you know, to talk to somebody who has successfully launched an online membership. Um, and how has the pandemic affected you? Because obviously your dad, you and your dad moved online way before online was really, uh, a, a, the norm and and then actually in this last year some people have had some extra time because they've been furloughed or you know they've been in between careers you know with all the stuff that's going on has has your membership changed over the last year yeah so um this time last year um the we had an increase in signups and an increase in cancellations um pretty much as soon as that lockdown came. I think we're a few days away from the anniversary of, of that lockdown hitting us. Um, today, it's a year to exactly today that we had our last day in the office and, and asked everybody to work from home as much as they could uh, from, from that weekend onwards. So it's kind of a weird, weird time to be talking about that. But yeah, from this time onwards, we were seeing an increase in cancellations and an increase in signups. Um, now that we're a year on, I think we're up from where we were 
um, than where we would have been without the pandemic, honestly. That's just, I know a lot of people have struggled. It's almost embarrassing to talk about it being more popular because of that, but that, that's just the, the way it is. Um, and, but we did see quite a few people cancel. We tried to help out where we could because we realized a lot of people were feeling really uncertain. So when, when we actually changed up, usually it's a self-serve cancellation on our site. It's just, you go click the button and you're canceled. That's the, that's the end of it. Nobody has to email us in to, to ask to cancel. Um, but we changed it to where they had to email in for a couple months to ask to cancel so that we could talk it through with them. And we actually gave um, some free months to anybody who was canceling because they were uncertain about the future. And, 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 and that was good for them and good for us because some of them then did end up canceling anyway after the, I think we gave them three or four months extra um, and they ended up canceling anyway. And some of them, things became more certain for them and they were able to carry on and stay signed up. So that was one way of, of both helping people and, and sort of keeping things a little bit more stable. Um, but overall, I think more people have been interested in woodworking and doing things they love and woodworking is one of them. And so overall, yeah, um, I think, I think it was uh, our numbers are up from where they probably would have been. Yeah, no, we had the same, we had a very similar situation. Um, and I think mostly, well, really for us, it was about the fact that suddenly women were thrust into technology in a way that they just weren't before. And then it became um, vital that they had these tech skills and we were kind of perfectly positioned to give it to them. Um, we, we ran a very successful free training program for a year and we've now, you know, improved and refined it and we've now turned it into a paid boot camp, mostly because it got so popular. We had 16,000 women sign up for it. And it was like, you know, it was a lot of people to serve. Um, because they because a huge percentage of them were actually going were actually showing up and doing the work. So, you know, the 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 issue for us really became how can we serve people the best? And so, we thought well if we if we put it into a paid boot camp and make it, you know, at a reasonable price, which is for us 37 pounds and you get, you know, 4 hours of live training and you get bonus technical videos and you know, we we felt like we could then serve we could serve them much better if it was a smaller group. So we're testing that out now just to see, because uh, as fun as those big groups of thousands of people are, um, they're, they, they are very intense and there's a lot of moving parts. And so we thought, okay, well, let's scale back a little bit and focus on people who want to invest in themselves and with a small amount. But it's, uh, but it's interesting how much demand there was for the free training program that we did have. And, uh, and that really was a result of being people being forced into technology, uh, you know, given the situation. We used to have an online course that was free about how to use Zoom. <laughs> because, yeah, well, yeah. Like, because that no one, you know, we would say, okay, we're going to teach our program on Zoom. So if you don't know how to use Zoom, here's how you use Zoom. And I thought, you know, you would not have to do that today. I mean, everyone knows how to use Zoom. Everyone, you know, everyone's well-versed in Zoom. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, you know, Zoom started because he wanted, the guy who founded it wanted to talk to his girlfriend. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember reading that because they were talking about how his life changed overnight. Um, but I also think, I get, I get what you're saying, you know, with so many businesses that are struggling, sometimes it's, it's hard as a business that did do well during that period to, uh, you know, you have to be careful not to feel bad about it because actually you are part of the economy that's continuing to move forwards. And also, you know, in your case and in my case, we're giving people something a, you know, we're get from, from my case, we're giving women technical skills, social media skills that they will benefit from massively when they use them. And you're giving people an, you know, an outlet, something to, 
you know, um, do while they while they wait for the lockdown to, to ease up. But also, I would imagine there's quite a few people in your membership who who also make an, a living doing woodworking. There, there, there definitely are. There are people who who do it to make a living. There are also sort of educational establishments who've signed up, and then and then they they you know schools. We sort of you can see from the domain name the person signs up from. There are quite a few high schools in America who where somebody's signed up, I guess, for supplementary uh, information about um, things. Um, I think the vast majority of people who are who are following us just want to make nice things for their own home. And actually, that's something exciting. We're we're kind of launching, kind of not. We've, we're still figuring out. My dad, you talked earlier about how how do we figure out what to do, and um, we talked about the garage. How my dad works in in a garage size space. And um, we're actually we bought a house two years ago, and my dad is actually furnishing that house top to bottom. With, well, I was going to ask you, what do you do with all of the stuff your dad makes? So that's what he's doing. Well, it's only just starting. We, he's just built a rocking chair that's just in the process of being released on our site now. But we we kind of feel like we have to kind of wait a little bit to launch it because right now all we've got to show is like a big empty space with one rocking chair in it. Um, but What's eventually... What's all the stuff he's made over the last nine years? Where has that gone? Um, well... I'm, I'm working on a table he made and there's a bench behind me here that he made. And so various places in my house or other family members house. And then quite a bit of it is, is stored. We try and keep them in. We don't ever sell them because we like to keep them for reference. Cause sometimes people ask us for extra measurements that we didn't give on a drawing or whatever else. So we can just take a tape measure over to it and measure it if it's, if it's still here. Um, but, but when we, if we tried to assemble all that furniture we've made over the last nine years, it doesn't look like it all goes together because it was kind of a random process. And so we thought we'd sort of start, almost start over. Oh yeah, so it all works together. So that it all works together. We're, we're really looking forward to sort of being able to do a camera pan around the living room showing all the different pieces of furniture and how they all just look great together. Um, but we kind of have to do that really intentionally. And so we've just sort of, committed my dad and I to at least five more years of this, of, of furnishing a house top to bottom with everything all over again. So even if we've done a chair before, we're going to do another chair for this um, yeah, and make sure it fits and that it works and talk about how it fits in the space because that's the majority of our, our users are people who just want to make nice stuff for their own home. And they don't really particularly care how long it takes them or how much it costs them, um, you know, in just wood because um, they're, they're going to end up with something much nicer than they'd be able to buy anywhere else. Who gets to live in the house when it's done? And my, my, my dad actually lives in the house. So he's, he's, yeah, it's kind of a pain for them because I've said, look, the, the living room needs to be empty to begin with because, you know, so we're, we're, yeah, it's, it's a logistics thing, but, but uh, we want to make it again, we're kind of trying to constrain ourselves as much as possible because we're trying to put a bigger budget and more, more time and energy and money into this. Yes. But without just making everything bigger and in a bigger space with more tools mm. and with more stuff, because that just pushes us further and further away from the reality of our customers who want to, who are working in a small amount of space, building stuff for their house. Um, and so my dad, my dad has in the past, he made furniture for the White House. He's done, he's done all kinds of great and fancy work. But again, that's not particularly relatable to people who just want to build a chair for the house. And so we're yeah. really trying to push things down into simple, small uh, spaces. Cause, and, and, and actually 
50% of our audience are in America who tend to have, as you know, bigger houses than we have over here in Oxfordshire. Um, but, uh, but then we have a, a, a large chunk of our audience who are in even smaller houses than we have here in the UK. And so just trying to balance all that out is, uh, is, is how we try and think about it. Um, and, and I'm really looking forward to furnishing an entire house. That's going to be really fun. So you said 50% of your customers are in America. So do you, do you release um, your things on UK time or on US time? Um, we we picked a time that we thought kind of sort of worked for both. And so we, we release at uh, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, which is sort of 8 a.m. U.S. time on a Wednesday. The only reason it's on a Wednesday and it's still on a Wednesday is because that was my reading reading day at university. I had no lectures on a Wednesday. So there you go. Bangor University History Department decided when when our release day was going to be on our, and we've never changed it. I, I don't know whether we should whether it'll be another time but you know also funny one funny um stat that i know about from from watching the stats on our, our audience is that i think people tend to watch these videos at work um so um <laughs> we, we see more people sort of sign on and start watching stuff around 9 30 a.m yeah. uh, in, in midweek than we do over weekends so i don't know i don't know how i don't know where everybody works where they can do that but there you go <laughs> I love that. If someone's thinking that they might have an idea for a membership, I mean, we have a lot of people in our program with um, different backgrounds, you know, um, uh, and doing different things. Uh, for example, Julie, who's just joined late but loves this. Julie, um, she, she's very creative, right? So she has she has clothing shops, but she uh, she wanted to create a stained glass window for her door. So she's gotten into stained glass, and then she created some awards for us for stained glass. You know, Julie, I'm thinking you could do a membership on stained glass. Um, but there's there's so many different people that could launch a membership. We have people who um, do uh, knitting and crochet and crafts. Um, you know, these are there's so many different things that they could do. What would you what would you what would your piece of advice be? I mean, I know you said early on in this podcast, you said, you know, you just got scrappy. You just filmed the videos, stuck them on YouTube and just did it religiously uh, for a year. And that's where you got your, you know, your subscribers up. Um, what What is your advice for someone who's thinking about uh, launching a membership? Yeah, somebody somebody told me and they said somebody else had told them. So I don't know whether it's a well-known thing in, in Internet marketing or not. But if if you can get people's attention, you can sell them things. Um, and I think that's especially true on the Internet. And I think if you can, I, I would suggest if you pick something you really love. I'm sure you I, I bet I bet you've said that before. I pick something you really love, um, because if you're going to do it for a long time, you need to enjoy doing it every day um, and and see if people are interested in watching it, because if you can get people watching you do whatever it is you do on YouTube or on Instagram or anywhere else and you can and they're like, oh, my goodness, I can't wait to watch your content then chances are you'll be able to figure out sometime, somewhere in the future. I mean, some people don't have the luxury of time, so I would suggest trying to do it alongside whatever else you're doing to begin with and just show people who you are and what you do. And um, and if enough people are interested, you'll figure out a way to, uh, to charge people and make a living at it eventually, I reckon. Thank you, Joseph, for your time. And oh, no, thank you. It's been great uh, catch up. In. Where can people, if they want to find out about woodworking, where can they find the website to join? If they search my dad's name, his name's Paul Sellers. We're really, we're really proud. We've really worked hard on getting every, every slot pretty much on the first page. You'll find something about him. So just search that, I reckon. Okay, brilliant. But we'll, of course, put the links as well into the show notes on our page, on our website, and also uh, onto the podcast. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you.